0: Welcome to NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards and it's been another bonkers week in the National League. 121 goals were scored across the three divisions on Saturday with 44 goals across the top division alone. Joining us to review it all, we have Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob.
1: Yeah, hi, Luke. Yeah, I was lucky enough to see six of them. Absolutely crazy. I used that word bonkers a lot in, in the commentary of my own game yesterday. But yeah, looking forward to reviewing. Uh, the weekend's results and uh, speaking with our special guest
0: yeah and also with us again it is uh, Dickie Wharton hello Dickie
2: uh, good afternoon Luke good to see you I wished I'd seen six goals yesterday because it might have finished a three all draw rather than a 3-2 <laughs> defeat but uh, yeah
0: <laughs> and uh, also I us somebody who'd love to see loads of goals um, but he isn't at the minute as a talkie fan it is from Off
3: The Line blog Joe Pope hello Joe Hi, thanks for having me again. It's nice to just see a win yesterday, given that I'm a Torquay fan. Obviously not of the Torquay game, but uh, yeah, nice to see a win.
0: Yeah, you're at the Yeovil game and we'll we'll talk about Yeovil. Well, he's already spoiled it in a way, Joe, but there we go. Yeovil did win yesterday. And joining us, we have their manager, former BT Sport pundit and now Yeovil town manager is Chris Hargreaves. Hello, Chris.
4: Hello. Hello, everybody. Great to be on. Um, Great to be talking about the league that we all... uh, no, is as we've just said, very, very competitive.
0: Now, thank, thanks for coming on uh, once again, and I wanted to ask you about. Um, obviously, you stepped from the other side of the camera, and now mm. you're in management at Yovel. Has working on BT the last three or four years actually helped you with the knowledge of the division and helped you prepare your teams to face these teams?
4: Um, it's well, what I would say, I, I already knew how competitive it was, and and how much of a challenge it would be having having been with a. BT team and, and visiting the games and speaking to the managers and knowing what clubs players are able to attract. Has it helped me? <laughs> I'm not sure. I am not sure. I think what, in my mind, um, having been a manager and assistant manager and player and, and been in the game a long time, <clears throat> I loved my BT role. Um, but I think to, to validate that sort of commentary and commenting on the game... I as a as a person that was always in football felt like, you know, I, I I needed to do the job that I was talking about and 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 I'm doing that now. And I think that I always as a as a pundit used to sort of have a default by saying, I know how hard it is, because it's okay having a massive opinion and I get that. And and that's that's great. And that's that's brilliant, that's healthy for the game. But if you're in the game as well. I think having a strong opinion, you've got to be careful. And that's why I always had a default of saying I know how hard it is. I'd 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 talk about how I thought a manager was thinking or what he might be doing or what a player might have done differently or well. Um, and now I'm on the other side, aren't I? So people are talking about our games and and performances, uh, lads that I know very well. And um, that's all well and good, you know, As as a fan. I've always said it when I played football, if I was not very good... And someone told me that's absolutely fine because you can't have it both ways.
0: It's f- Sorry, I was, I was just going to say, Chris, you, you, you took on the job and it's um, a tough job that you've gone into as well. A lot of people's tips for relegation, it weren't the um, I, I know, not obviously within the club, but outside of the club, a lot of people have tipped you to go down. You must be delighted with, with how you're doing at the minute? I mean, we've talked a lot, actually. I suppose some of the draws you've got, you'd love to have turned into wins, but mm. where you sit at the minute, 13 points from 13 games, I'm sure you would have taken that.
4: Yeah, we're a little bit disappointed, to be honest. We've drawn seven games. It's Seven games, it's the most in the league. And, and we've done that because we haven't managed to kill games off when we've had periods of, of sort of dominance. You know, don't get me wrong, we've had to defend at times, but we have squandered leads sort of four or five times and maybe more and that's not acceptable um, and we know that as a group of um, players and, and and coaches we we know that so we've been very competitive in most games I know recently you know we lost at South end but we got a man sent off after 15 minutes for a bit of ill discipline but in in as I say in the main we've we've competed against very good clubs with with very very healthy budgets with the likes of you know, perhaps Wrexham, Chesterfield, the obvious ones, but Boreham Wood, teams that have been successful in the National League and and Solihull yesterday were a very good side. So, yeah, although we've got, uh, our budget is what it is and, you know, I wouldn't want to comment on where we are in the league with that, um, because what it doesn't do underneath the result on a Sunday morning when you read a paper, it doesn't tell you that, does it? It just tells you the result. So no matter what you've got to spend, you have to try and, and compete and you've got to um have ambitions and we have and we're not we're not at the point that I want to be at presently um so i'd say that i think five more points would have been more realistic for us at the moment maybe six um and that's that's probably um being being kind uh, i think we probably should have more
1: chris we must come on to a, f- a fantastic win for your your boys yesterday. You found a way to get three points against one of the high flyers, one of the favourites, uh, Solihull Moors. Um, and in terms of covering that and also your approach, you are setting out to try and win all these games even, but you have to be frugal a little bit, don't you? And and, and I said to you off air, I, I perhaps see a few similes between the job you're trying to do at Yobel and the job that your good mate Moles is trying to do at Aldershot. You... You have a limited budget. Yeah, You just can't go out and get whoever you want. And you've got to work with unpolished diamonds, haven't you? You've got to work with those that um, that have got something, but they yeah. haven't got everything. And it, and, and it can be frustrating, can't it? Because you can see sometimes in the same game, the good things and then the bad things. And the good things can lead to goals. The bad things can cost you big time.
4: Yeah, they can. And, and you have to, yeah, you, you, you're spot on. And we all know on this call today, don't we? We all know that... We, we love seeing those either rough diamonds or lads that have either been at sort of cat one, cat two clubs that you, you get in and need a chance to sort of get their career going or the lads that suddenly um, realise that they're sort of what they've got as a player. So and, and what I mean by that is at some point as a player you realise what you're good at. Are you good at getting in pockets and running at people? Are you good at you know hitting first contact and I think at some point you get that as a player. So you you want to get the timing right of the player you get in that they're doing that for you. Uh and if you do, if you get your loans right, if you get the rough diamonds, you, you can create a really good squad. And we've also got to be creative and and sort of very um detailed in our loan recruitment. So I watch a lot of games. I mean my wife gets sick of it. I, I in fact I've just about remember a name uh, over the last two <laughs> months. Um, but I'm, I'm just constantly watching Scout and going out and watching 21's games and what have you just to see what we could perhaps um, recruit. And I'm not on my own with that. Lots of, lots of clubs do it. But there's some very good players, isn't there, in this league? And I'm sure, you know, it, unless you've worked in it or you, you watch it quite a lot, you probably, you probably don't realise the competitiveness of it.
1: And Chris, just quickly then on that Solihull win. Yeah. I, I've, been, you know, I've been quoted a few times on this podcast of describing Solihull Moors as a well-oiled machine. Every time I've seen them, they've been that. Um, that was a result that made a, a few eyebrows raised yesterday. How did you do it?
4: Uh, well, thank you. Um, and, you know, I'd said after the game, you know, it was very complimentary of how we approached the game. We just looked at what they were good at and, and perhaps where we could we could hurt them. Uh and we we knew that we had to be front foot on our on our sort of A game as it were, because we know we were facing a very good side that can, you know, put teams to the sword. So yeah, we had a we had a plan of how we might do it. Um and what you hope for is you hope that you start right, your team you playing against just aren't quite on it as normal. Um it was a tight first half. We we both had a few chances. Second half, we 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 scored the goal, and then we had a couple. What I didn't want to do when we scored is sit back. I think we've we've probably suffered in doing that, and we all see that, don't we, up and down the the leagues where you you try and protect a lead. And we might have done that in a, in, in a couple of games, but um, yeah, we had a good couple of chances to make it two or three, and didn't take them. And when the referee puts up the classic six minutes of injury time, you, you tend to think, Christ, not again, but. The lads were fantastic. I've got a brilliant group of players that are trying their best. Um, and in the last sort of three home games against Boreham, Wood, Chesterfield and Wrexham, the managers of each team have, have, as I said, they've been very, very complimentary. And I don't want that as vindication of me as a coach. I'm just pleased that they see our lads as as sort of um, having threats and being, being
3: very competitive.
0: Joe, you, you were there, weren't you? Know, what was your take on it from the stands?
3: Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you look at the result and you say 1-0, you think it's probably a, you know, a scrappy performance and they've just edged it. But I thought even if you ever had won 2 or 3-0, I think it probably would have reflected the game quite well. Um, I actually did a report after um, where I said, if you want to try and stop Solihull playing um, and beat Solihull, that was the textbook Approach. I thought they were very, very good. Uh, Pearson and Johnson in the wide areas were good in pinning back the Soliar Moors fullbacks. Um, I thought Linton and Wakefield provided a little bit more pace, um, as I watched them against Bournemouth, and I thought they were a little bit static with Fisher up front. Um, so Linton and Wakefield sort of pushed Howe and Gudger back, um, and the three in midfield: Perry, uh, Diath, and Worthington didn't offer a great deal in terms of going forward, but in terms of keeping the distance between the midfield and the defence very short, um, I thought they did brilliant. And, I mean, Jamie Osborne must have had about a thousand touches yesterday, but not once did he manage to sort of penetrate the overall back line. I thought they were very, very good. Um, and that's probably the poorest I've seen solid hole play because the overall was so good. Chris, a
1: quickie on Joe Sabara. Did he play yesterday? And, how did you look at stopping him? Because I find, despite the fact that he's so diminutive, he marks space and he's so difficult to
4: to pick up and stop. Yeah, really difficult. It's really difficult for any player like that. By the way, what a good summary that was. Um, someone, you, you should maybe take up the job of football management. But um, <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, it's not for the faint-hearted though, so definitely get your heart checked before you start off. Um, yeah, I think... He is a, he's a an excellent player, and what you've got to do as a player, haven't you? Wh- whether you're, you're playing in, a, you know, down at the five-a-side, or whether you're playing in the National League or the Premier League, if you can affect the ball in momentum, so if it's a slow ball and he's drifting into a pocket, and you can hit and you can you can um, lock on, then then do that. And if you can't, as soon as he gets the ball, you've got to narrow your lines, and you've got to you've got to narrow the whole pitch off and, and send him out. So it, it, he is a difficult player. He's a very good footballer. They've got some real attacking threats and I know that they got so close, didn't they, in the playoff final. And in speaking to odds after the game, although they're still extremely competitive this season and, and they'll be there or thereabouts without a shadow of a doubt because of the way they play and the players they've got, it is difficult the following season to sort of um, not motivate yourself but to get over it because you get so close we we had it at Torquay when we lost and this was against our local rivals which was a killer Exeter and we were 3-1 up and I don't know 10 minutes to go sailing to Wembley managed somehow to lose it and we really struggled the following season all to a point where I think at one point that the manager was was fearing for his job and we, we knew that and so we had to pull you, you know pull together as a group of players and we we managed to get in the playoffs and go up that following season. So, I think for any team to to get close, there is going to be a little hangover. Um, but it, yeah, that's a very long answer to the question about Sabara. Yeah, he's the...
1: <laughs> that's so, all right. We're on a podcast here. You can have more than the thirty seconds you get when you were on BT Sport, mate. You're all
4: right. Now. No, you know, I know that. That's the thing with BT. You get yeah. so little time to try and analyze that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. You can't believe how little time you get, especially when Mac is on there because he wants all the airtime.
0: <laughs> Joe, I know um, you were really impressed with Sam Pearson, weren't you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I've watched Yeovil at home twice now and uh, it, going into that game, you'd have thought, you know, diminutive attacker, um, Joe Sabar. it was actually Pearson that I thought was the better of the two uh, yesterday. He sort of started wide um, where he sort of, pinned Coker back but then in the second half Williams came on and Pearson was able to move into the middle but he's obviously a fantastic player really really impressed me obviously Chris will want to keep him for the whole season but I wouldn't be at all surprised if there's teams in the AFL that think oh i like a player like him because uh, you know Soleil are more a, a strong and aggressive team and he's only a small lad but he gets stuck in and then he's got the quality to go with it. Um, so yeah, he's he looked really, really good uh, since I've been watching. Yeah, he's a good
4: good good lad as well. And he's enjoying being here and playing every week. It's difficult, isn't it, as an under 23 player when you you've is at Bristol City and there's a massive competition for places at Bristol City. And you can sometimes go long periods without a sniff of the first team. And I think once you you, you get the taste of playing in in, in the National League and you know how close it is to, to league two in, in terms of quality that you, you enjoy it. And he's in that mold. I think once you start playing more 90 minutes as well, and not having to come off and you get up to the speed of the game, then, then you start enjoying your football. And he, he's a case of that. I think the players that I've played that have been young, I, I don't mind playing young players because I think that you, that if, if they're good enough, it doesn't matter what age they are and, We've had a couple of lads. I know Alfie Pond, we, we only had for a couple of games from Exeter, but I could tell at his young age, 18, 19, that, you know, I said to him after games, I said, you're going to play at the very top if you, if you keep your mindset right. And lo and behold, two weeks into being with us, he went to um, Wolves for essentially two million quid in the end, but a first payment of 500 grand. So... And I didn't even get a bottle of wine by the way. I'll still <laughs> talk about that. I want at least a big Toblerone or something that <laughs> shows, shows me that he cares about me playing him. So, um, but it, you, you know, you, you can play young players for sure if they're good enough.
0: The calm before the storm was on Saturday lunchtime the BT game, the Essex Derby between Dagenham and Reverage and South End. Darrell McMahon was under huge pressure last week. They went to Chesterfield and got a brilliant 3-2 win away. They followed that up with a 1-1 draw. They'll be slightly disappointed. Dagenham and Southend are next to each other in the table. Junior Morais opened the scoring before Callum Powell equalised. And I know, Chris, you'd have spoken a lot last year about Daryl McMahon and at times they flat to deceive and then at other times they have good results. And it's sort of been a similar pattern for him again this season, hasn't it?
4: Yeah, it has. Yeah, he's... he's- Good, good lad to get on with Daryl. He's very honest, and had a good chat and a couple of beers in the office after the game. Um, We managed to beat him at home, but we knew we were facing a a tough opposition. And he's another—he knows, doesn't he? He's been there. He knows the pressures of the job, and he knows um, how to get his teams going. So, the the good sign is that you can react after a defeat, can't you? You know, you might—and that was the impressive thing that I think a lot of people saw in that. I think they'd lost at Dorking, hadn't they? With a man Hammond centre. as well,
0: weren't he? Sorry? they? Sorry? Were or a 5 1? Yeah, yeah,
4: that's it. I think it was 5 1. And then you go and beat Chesterfield away. So that shows me that that's someone that can motivate a group of players and that the players are willing and massively play for the manager. Uh, and then saw Kev, one of my old mates from Rovers last week at South End. Um, I felt like walking off End Pier after that game, I must admit, because my uh, centre-forward got himself sent off after 15 minutes. But another another team very similar to us in that, that they haven't quite found that talisman that can consistently score goals. We're, we're both one of the... Well, two of the teams in the league with the least goals conceded, but we're also the teams with the least scored. Um, and that's an equation that you have to rectify quickly if you, if you want to get up the league. But for Darrell. He's a very honest bloke, no doubt about it. And he, I think his mindset with, with his team is if, if you focus on the performance, most more often than not, you're going to get a half-decent result. If you're so uh, focused on, we've got to win, lads, we've got to win, you create that little bit of tension. Um, so, yeah, I like, like Daryl, good guy.
0: Notts County are top of the division. What a week they've had. They beat Wrexham 1-0 in midweek. That man, Macaulay Langstaff, scoring the winning goal and shock horror Langstaff didn't get on the score sheet on Saturday Sedwin Scott did though he got two as Kedwin did... Kedwin is it
1: it's Kedwin yeah has he confirmed that to you it's been confirmed yeah. oh okay
0: you've only Modern... got to listen
1: to Adam Summerton; he never gets it wrong
0: all the Geordies call him Sedwin so that's why I went off yeah. that I, I trusted the <laughs> gates of people anyway Kedwin he got yeah. two uh, as did Ruben Rodriguez he got a penalty James Daly and Rhys Gregor Cox on the score sheet for Woking. And Rob, I suppose it was important that Knox County followed that up with a win at Woking, didn't he? After the win over Wrexham,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a good win because Woking are in pretty decent form, particularly at the Lathway or Kingfield, whatever it's called these days. Um, and 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 Darren Siles definitely progressing there. They've got a stronger mentality now than they had last season. Um, And and they will have, they're in the kind of form that they'd have fancied, maybe for them a good time to play Notts County. But to be honest, whoever Notts County play at the minute, they they really are, um, they really are starting to purr, aren't they under Luke Williams? Um, And like, yeah, you keep Langstaff quiet and Scott gets you with two goals. So um, yeah, it's um, I I haven't seen the goals yet. I've heard a couple of thoughts from the game. Obviously, you'll know Darren Sal, uh, Chris. Um, you, you're stepping into his shoes, aren't you? At uh, at Yeovil, um, yeah. and uh, he's 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 doing all right there at Woking, isn't he? I mean, they've literally started yesterday in the top seven.
4: Yeah, that's right. And he, he's he's got a group of experienced players. Um, he, he knows that there's an expectation at that that club this season. I think they're going for it. You, you know, they've invested to really go for it this, this season. Um, Cause the owners want that, that club in the league. So he, he, he knows that, but yeah, he did a good job at Yeovil um, in some very difficult times. Um, and I've spoken to him a few times already this season. I know we're rivals now, but I'll get on with a lot of the lads in this league that are doing the same job as me. Um, and they'll, they'll definitely be, be, um, In and around it, I'm sure this season, um, especially with the experience they've got in the squad uh, for Notts County, like you say, it's a hell of a bit of recruitment with Langstaff. Those that could afford him um, went for him. Those that that didn't perhaps uh, looked on in envy, but he's still, you you know, no no matter, like I say, no matter what um, budget you have to spend on one player or a whole squad of players, You've still got to motivate that group of lads, haven't you? You've still got to get the best out of them and, and make sure they gel. Uh, and Notch County, yeah, they're flying at the moment, aren't
0: they? Yeah, it really interesting game at the race course ground. It finished Wrexham 7, Barnet 5. What a, an unbelievably crazy game. It's 3-2 at half-time. I won't run through all the scorers because we'll be here all day. But basically, Paul Mullin got a couple as did Aaron Hayden. Nicky Kabamba. he got a couple for Barnett, as did Idris Kanu. And, oh, wow. I mean, we've seen this before with Wrexham, with haven't we, Chris? It's um, they it can either win a game 1-0 off a set piece or it's a very open game. And Rob mentioned it earlier. I presume Barnett went there and thought, Do you know what, sod this, we're going to attack him. And it made for an entertaining game, but scoring five goals away from home and not winning must be a bit of a head scratch. <laughs> I know, <you>?
4: Unbelievable. <laughs> Not not a defensive masterclass, but that's what fans want to see, isn't it? You know, anyone there yesterday was was trekked to a, a, a brilliant, entertaining game of football, which is, that, that's what you want to do, isn't it? As a fan, turn up and see goals and see chances created. You want to see your team have a bit of flair. So, unbelievable scoreline.
0: We, <laughs> ours was a little bit different against Wrexham, one all. Um, I was going to ask you, Chris, how do you play against him? Is there a way of stopping them and then hurting them as well?
4: Well, you know, they've got two of the best centre-forwards in the league with goal return, haven't they? So you have to look at that first and foremost and see how you can affect that. But um, again, it, that was a tough game. That was a tough game. We we were very, very disappointed we didn't win that game um, after the second half performance extremely. And I said, I told the players after the game, I think they got the message that we 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 should have taken that opportunity because... When you when you get those opportunities, you've got to take them, haven't you? They're they're a strong outfit. They're, they've got. It's, it reminds me a bit of Oxford when I played for Oxford. There was so much expectation on us, even if you've even if you've got, you know, five times, ten times the budget of everyone else. Which I'm sure they haven't got ten times. Um, you still have to produce the goods, and you've still got to get over that line. And it felt like that a bit at Oxford when we we didn't do it in the first season. We did it in the second season, and we were taking you know, 1,500, 2,000 fans away to some games and you could feel the weight of expectation. And I think that's, to a degree, very difficult to manage. You can be given the lowest budget and, and still feel the same pressure as the most uh, money in the league, can't you? Do you know where I'm coming from? It's still yeah. a very, very difficult job for anybody to manage that football club. Um but, yeah, what a what a brilliant game. That's what we want to see, eh? More goals. I mean, God knows what Vergs was saying after seeing that.
1: Just a quickie on Dean Brennan, just finishing off the Rex and Barnett. I haven't seen his post-match from yesterday, but I saw two or three last season where he took on the big guys and scored a few goals and let in more. And he kept saying, we can't play this way against them. <laughs> but he continues to do it. And uh, just want to say thumbs up, Dean Brennan. Keep having a go at it, fella um uh, as Chris says, that's, that's, that's what the fans want to see. Back to you, Luke.
0: But Chesterfield, after going into last Saturday unbeaten, have now lost three on the bounce. They lost at home, as we mentioned, to Dagenham Redbridge earlier in the week. And then they lost again on Saturday. Uh, a really poor result for them. Uh, they lost 2-1 away at Eastley. It was a late, late winner from Brennan Camp in the second minute of stoppage time. Uh, we'll get on to Eastleigh in a minute because they've snuck up the table. But for Chesterfield, uh, a bit of another poor result. They're sliding down the table now. They're in fourth. And um, it's all unravelled a little bit over the last week, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, I, it seems to me that it only ever goes wrong for Chesterfield when they hit the top of the league. And uh, they were sailing along nicely last season. Um, and then obviously, you know, Shimanga's injury and, and, and Rose incident uh, and departure um and this year they were keen weren't they we had a, a supporter give us a bit of stick at the start of the season that none of us had predicted them to win the title he felt they'd be in the title race they started really really well um and uh, yeah got top of the league for a few weeks and then bang three defeats in a week and I suppose one thing I could we could come to you on Chris is the main thing is and you haven't lost you've lost two at home two away this season as you say more draws than you'd like but um I guess the main thing is when you do lose a game, it's sport and football is all about momentum, isn't it? And it's all about stemming it quickly and not being beaten in the next game.
4: It is, yeah. And I, again, Chesterfield—they've got huge expectation. We we played them and um, unfortunately conceded right at the death uh, when we thought we'd we'd see out and win that game. We drew two all. Well, they they had an unbelievable following that day. It was. impressive to see and it felt like they had that that word you mentioned you know that sort of momentum and and they were looking good but they've got a very good manager that's got a good history with the club and they've got some very very good players and a a, a hell of a squad so I can't see that that run continuing I I think yeah what, what happens is a lot of teams see um, those types of games, as maybe that that cup final, and maybe raise it a little bit because they've got a, a bigger following. Certainly, at away away games. So, yeah, it's um, it's something he won't be happy about. But I've got a lot of time for for, for Cookie. We had a, a, a fair old laugh in the the changing, uh, in the changing room, in the in the office after the game. Once I uh, stopped banging the desk after conceding in the last uh, couple of minutes, but. I don't see it continuing. Let's put it that way.
0: Is there? Do you think there's an over reliance on Shimanga, Chris? Because obviously at the start of the season, they were winning games. They seem to be winning it late on, and he was coming off the bench and having an influence. He's he's coming back into the fold, and then they've they've been on that winning run. Um, and I think yesterday he actually started. He's not started many games this year, but he did actually start and then let, was then hauled off. And do you think if he doesn't score or doesn't contribute, they do struggle?
4: Oh, I, I think they've got they've got loads of attacking options I really do and, and I think you could play any one of about four or five very good centre forwards in that squad I think I think I've got a massive massive amount of sympathy for the kid because he had that horrendous injury he was flying he was probably going to do a a, a a Harland of the National League if it had carried on with his goal scoring exploits um, before his very very bad injury and then for his sort of deal to he's moved to fall through it's it's a real double killer for him as a footballer and I've got a massive amount of sympathy for him so that in itself will take time to to, to get over do you know what I mean until you get yeah. back into the groove as a player and maybe there is a reliance on him because of the expectations that he'd already set previously and um, I think for him as a player it's, it's it's up to other people maybe to take that mantle on which they had been doing um, but yeah, they, they've got more than enough to, to, to go on a, a hell of a run. And again, it's, a, it's another team I'd, spe- I'd expect to be right up there for, for automatic, if not high up in those playoff positions.
0: On the flip side, though, Chris Eastley, they had a slow start to the season, but they've they've shot up the table now. They're in 10th and they've kind of come up unnoticed, haven't they? A very sort of um, smart work from Lee Bradbury.
4: Yeah, definitely. I know uh, Lee very well, Um Been at the same club before and also played against each other and um, now managed against each other. We, yeah, we, another draw, this is a common theme, this, we uh, drew away, we knew that was going to be a tough game. We drew one all, we took an early lead, but again, got penned back late on. And good side, no doubt about it. Goal story yesterday, Brennan Camp, good recruitment from from Bournemouth up the road, like him as a player. So it's another team. And I I know we, 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 Week is another co- sort of common theme. A lot of these teams are absolutely going for it again, aren't they? And 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 sort of um, recruiting to do that. And I think they're very hopeful of mounting a challenge this season. Are
0: Yeah, in the playoff spots as well. Boreham Wood and Bromley. Bromley drew one-one at Gateshead. they followed up that they'd followed up that result with the win that they got at Boreham Wood in midweek. Boreham Wood bounced back from that defeat to Bromley to win at Wheelstone. So. I don't... There'd be mixed feelings for Andy Woodman, I'm guessing, Chris. The fact that he went and won at Bournemouth, but then couldn't beat somebody in newly promoted Gateshead. I mean, no disrespect to Gateshead. They'd be expecting to win that game. But then, from Luke Garrard's point of view, a good response from his side to go to Wheelstone and win.
4: Yeah, tough place to go, that. Tough place to go. Um, no doubt about that. Good good football inside. Um, guess what we did there? Did you draw? yeah Yeah. and that in that game we missed a penalty we missed a penalty late on to win it so uh, a couple of points dropped but yeah play a good style of football stick to what they are good at that's brought them success um but a lot a lot of the lads go through these games don't they and we've already said it if you can sort of react when you've had a a draw or defeat that you didn't expect then then that I think that's what Bromley do well. Um, Andy Woodman's done a brilliant job. I mean, obviously, the trophy final win was a massive win for the club. Um, they got pegged back by Solihull, funnily enough. They were 2-0 up and and Solihull scored 90 plus 4 and 90 plus 8 in one of the games I watched uh, in preparation for, for us playing Solihull. So, that would have been a pretty devastating result. But then they, they come back and react and that's a sign of a, a, a good team. So, um, yeah, it's 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 really interesting to see that that anyone can be anyone, and we do say that a lot. But I, I do feel that that's that's true. You, you know, you, you you got teams coming up this season that, and I I I, I heard people saying, "Oh, how do you think Dorkin do will do?" And I said straight away, "They'll do great. They'll do great because of the way they play, and they're used to playing that way, and they're used to winning games and no fear." No fear, exactly, exactly, and and they did that um, they did that to us when we played them on Tuesday night. So that was a really really tough game, and they beat Dagenham. And you drew,
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. And in but well, the, the problem is with draws, yeah. Although it was a very good result, you know, they beat Notts County three one, they beat Dagenham five one. And yeah, we, we drew one all after taking the lead. When you keep drawing, a draw's not enough. Mm. You need to win the odd game because it doesn't take you to the table unless you win games. So um, yeah, I was impressed with them actually. Difficult place to play, especially with the pitch. It's a pitch. It's a funny sort of, I know it's 3G and the 3Gs are very good now, but it's, it's definitely a, a sort of different 3G and the lads have to get used to that. But um, the way they play, v- very impressive.
1: It's the rubber pellets, isn't it? You know, you know when you play on a splashy pitch and the water comes up on that pitch. When somebody goes in or there's heavy contact with a ball, you get a whoosh in the air of all the rubber pellets, don't you?
4: <laughs> you do, you do. Yeah, Christ, the the Astros have changed a little bit, haven't they? I, I, Someone's sent me a link of a of a of a goal I scored against Preston away. In 1991, I think it was when we were, I think we were both in the old Division Two, or it might have been the old Division Three. I can't remember.
0: Was it grainy footage, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> no need for
4: that. There's no need for that. It, well, it was it was
0: just above black and
4: white. It was just above black and white. But the pitch, honestly, it um it looked like lino. It looked like lino. It crossed between lino and an ice skating rink. And uh, if you if you if you went in for a sliding tackle on that type of pitch. You were in for serious burns. I can tell you that much. Um, But yeah, it was, uh, that's showing my age, isn't it? That 19, I made my debut in 1989.
0: Oh my God. Wow.
4: (laughs) Terrible. Uh...
0: I'll move on quickly then. And uh, look at one of your old clubs, Torquay. Joe, Joe doesn't want to talk about him. So I'll let you talk about it, Chris. He lost 1-0 away at York. York, now into the last playoff place in the National League. Alex Hurst goal on 71 minutes but I know you had a really strong affiliation with Torquay, and I know you're probably battling it out down there at the minute but uh, you must be sort of sad to see the situation you're in
4: yeah it's another team maybe that that have been very very close in recent seasons well you know penalty kicks away from league football aren't they you know at Ashton Gate when they, when they lost against Hartlepool and then there's a different sort of um, dynamic of players come in and you have to create another group and it's very difficult to get that successful group built again. Um, but again, they, they, they're competing in a very difficult league and it's not easy to replicate that season on season. Um, but Gary doesn't need me to tell him how to manage. He's a very experienced, very successful football manager. So I'll leave that to him. Uh, And now we are rivals. Um, You know, no one's got any sympathy for anybody in the league, Um, whoever you are. um, The fact that it is a club very close to my heart, you know, you have to put that aside and get on with your own club and your own job and not worry about anyone else. But with the experience Gary's got, um, I don't for one minute think that they'll be there at the end of the season.
1: You mentioned, um, you know, Gary's experience as a manager and he came up against another very experienced manager on Saturday. One thing, Joe, I'll say in Torquay's favour, I haven't seen the stats from that game. Torquay had more shots on target, more shots off target, more corners. But ASCII knows how to win a game 1-0. And if you look at the Macclesfield side that he won the National League or it may have even been the conference back then, I can't remember. Um, they, ver- they rarely set the, the games alight just really bloody efficient aren't they Chris and uh, um, a lot of the time in the National League the sides that lose games are the sides that make more mistakes and the ASCII teams have a habit of making the least mistakes
4: They beat us at home and they probably deserve to to beat us at home, that's the one game at home that we probably deserved not to get anything out of and I don't say that lightly because I hate losing but we they were on the front foot that game. We were a little bit lackluster, but you could see how they've been successful in the league below. But then they should never be in that league, should they? York. It's it's another big club that, that have found themselves in, in the doldrums. And um looking at the, the, the support they're getting now and the, the stadium and the, the sort of atmosphere, it looks like the only way is up.
0: Finally, Chris, before we let you go, I know you regaled us with um Tales of Timmy Mallet last time you on was he in consideration for your coaching staff at all when you got the job? <laughs> for, for,
4: for, for, yeah, for uh, for the comedy value, definitely, definitely. Timmy's Tim a good Timmy's a good guy. He he, he would be good post match, but I won't be doing Mallets Mallet before a game anytime soon. Um, yeah, it's I, I would what I would say in summary of of and thanks for inviting me on by the way. In summary of the the job and and how it is it's what you've got to do is remind yourself how lucky you are to be doing it. Mm. And I don't say that lightly. And although at times it consumes, well, no, it, at times, it consumes your life all the time. This is the first day I can honestly say that I've really been able to enjoy a Sunday for a long time because it's it, it dominates everything and around your family life and, and, and your kids and what you do away from the, the grounds. So all-consuming... But we're, we're all very, very lucky to be working in this game. And, and when fans and supporters expect so much from, from players, you've got to remember the, these players are earning very small amounts of money but doing the same job as someone like, and I know he's a very good player, Phil Foden, but he's just signed an £80 million contract or just under. So you're asking the same players to do the same things. And that's, that's what I see. I see on a daily basis kids on very low amounts of money, giving it absolutely everything to be as good as they can be for the club that they're playing for. So, um, yeah, it's an unbelievably challenging uh, job as a football manager, but God damn it, we're lucky to be doing it, aren't we?
0: Brill, thanks, Chris. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Have a great day. Another game with lots of goals was um, your game at Glanford Park, Rob, a a ground you've probably not been to in a while, but it was certainly entertaining.
1: Well, it's more than that. I'd never actually been there. I think um, Aldershot have been to Glanford Park or Aldershot FC in the very early days that it was there. But my last visit to Scunthorpe was at the old showground, which is showing how old I am. But um, thoroughly enjoyed the visit there yesterday. They created a brilliant atmosphere pre-match, which continued into the game. I was lucky enough to uh, get a little bit of a, a, a sighting of the annals of the club as well. Love the way they've decked it out. Lots of stuff about the history there. Obviously, the likes of Kevin Keegan and Ray Clements coming from there, and not to mention Ian Botham. So I really, really enjoyed the visit. I was buzzing to go to a new ground, along with Boundary Park. It's only the second new ground I've been to in five years to cover Aldershot. you have obviously been in the National League for a long time now. Um, And getting there nice and early, it did give me the opportunity prior to the game uh, to meet up with uh, some Scunthorpe thought fan i'm joined once again this is a reoccurring theme here at glanford park with three generations of the same family i've got clive who's been coming since 1987 and his son rob beautifully named i might add and his son joseph and his friend george so we're gonna have a quick word initially with the senior statesman um 1987 you've been supporting scunning yeah. You're telling me off air that you uh you actually lived down in Aldershot for a while as well? I did, yeah. I spent a long time down that area. I was at Borden, obviously. Is, yeah. So I was in Remy. Um Served with 7RHA. Six and a half years airborne. Did so, you ever go along to the wreck and watch a game? No, I didn't. Shame on you. I've got to stop talking to you at this point, Clive. No, I haven't. Um, quick word, Clive. Uh, 87 to now. There's a lot of pain in those years, isn't there? But, you're in, the, not, you're, you're in the National League now. There's some highs as well, of course. But you're in the National League now. Have you accepted that, do you think, deep down inside? Yeah, I never thought we'd be there. But, yeah, you have to, really. I mean, we we don't deserve to be anywhere else, to be honest. Yeah. And um, what about this season? Uh, obviously, a change of management. Interim manager in place indoors. Five unbeaten. So, he's steadied the ship, hasn't he? Yeah, but we need to show some... We need to really show that we can do it to get a decent manager in. Um, you don't think it's a, a viable proposition for Dawes to stay in charge?
0: No, he said he wants to carry on with the um, with, with the under-21s, so I don't think we'll get him, we'll keep him.
1: Although he seems to have done the job, but they're playing for the badge now, which is different. That's that means change. a lot to the supporters, doesn't it? No. And, and, and Rob, coming to you, you mentioned that... Um, you hadn't been coming so much, but you've been coming again this season, and uh, you're noticing a little bit of an improvement. But it's tough as well, as it's a tough watch sometimes. Yeah, yeah
2: it is a hard watch. I mean, I've got an eight-year-old son who loves football, and decided this year he wanted to come to games, and it was his own choice. <laughs> I've not dragged him along. I was brought along because it was the closest football ground when we lived up here, and that was say August '87, and been a supporter ever since. He kind of getting ingrained in you after a while, and he'll always be the first result I look for,
1: and. always been a team i follow so and ambitions for this season realistic ones i guess just you know just stop the downward momentum establish yourselves at this level first yeah
2: well before a ball was kicked i'd have taken mid table i think you've got to be realistic there's some teams in this division with a lot of punching power we're not you know like you said we're on a bit of a downward spiral we're trying to get some players in that will solidify we've got a lot of players on short contracts so whether we can keep those. We've got a few lone players that are playing well and whether we can keep those as well. So, I'd have taken mid-table before a ball was kicked. I'd certainly take it at the moment.
1: Brilliant stuff. And very quickly, uh, Joseph
0: and George, scoreline today, you're agreed, aren't you? It's going to be... 2-1. 2-1 to Oh, Yeah, and they would have been through the ringer like you, Rob, wouldn't they, uh, watching that game?
1: Yeah, absolutely, they would have done. I didn't see them afterwards um, to check they were all OK. But, um It was a bonkers game on a bonkers Saturday. Aldershot uh, tore into the lead with their first attack two minutes in. Odi Alpha on loan from QPR with a fine drive from the edge of the area. And then, um, as Mark Molsey said afterwards, Aldershot had a mad 10-15 minutes where they played like children. Um, It reminded him of a game earlier in the season where they'd been dominant at home to Maidstone and came out after half-time and conceded three goals in a 10-15-minute or spell. Um, They did the same thing again, Um, you know, incredible really to have got such a good start and then be so flat and 3-1 down. Um, A lot of cries were coming up on the interaction I was getting for Molesley out again at half time. Um, But credit to Molesley, credit to the team. They stood up strong. They didn't drop their heads. They came out and they absolutely tore into Scunthorpe in the second half. And um, if I tell you that without a shadow of a doubt, Aldershot were gutted not to win that game is because they were bang level. Um, They got a goal back within uh, two minutes of the restart. Tyler Cordner got himself forward and just had a pop from 25 yards. Uh, Justin Amaluzo came on and scored before the hour mark. And I think after that, really, Aldershot had another four or five half chances. Effiong, Alpha, couldn't quite get it away. Scunthorpe really looked shell-shocked after the recovery from, from, from Aldershot. And um, two points to make, really. From the thought point of view, there's a nervousness about them. They've drawn too many games as well. They don't hold on to leads and you could feel it. You know, they should have been pushing for a fourth and and and, and rubbing salt into Aldershot's wounds yesterday, but they didn't. They couldn't, you know, and maybe, you know, maybe that's, um, I don't know about the naivety, but obviously they've got an interim manager indoors. Um, he's, he's, he's only lost one game out of six, so he's steadied the ship for Aldershot and for Molesley, it's difficult. And I spoke to him after the game and a a little bit like Chris was saying earlier, you know, the expectation of fans is so high. They expect results, they expect performances. They don't really want to hear about your budgetary constraints. Um, You know, Molesley's got a very, very young side again. He didn't seek to have such a young side this season, Um, but he's lost um, Partington. He's lost McCoy to medium to long-term injuries. And that's where he is right now. Um, I was really, really pleased and relieved from Moseley that he got back into the game. And I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed
0: my day at Banford Park. Two other games to look at then was... Different, it's been different seasons for these sides. Um, you've got Halifax, who so followed up a welcome 1-0 win over York in midweek with a 1-1 draw. At Maidstone, It could have been so much better for them. They were leading right up until stoppage time when Rory Deacon scored for Maidstone. And then Oldham, they drew 1-1 one, one away at Maidenhead. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I think that's quite a good result considering that Maidenhead tend to beat some of the big X-League teams and some of the bigger teams in the division. Um, if you're David Unsworth, I'm, I'm guessing you'd be quite satisfied with that. So it's a back-to-back draws for them. So, yeah, it's... Um, a small platform to build on and, and for Chris Millington as well, like I say, welcome relief for him getting those four. Joe as well. Maidstone, uh, they're going okay as well, aren't we? As I say, last minute equalizer for them.
3: Yeah. um, An odd one, um, because I know from listening to a couple of their fans and reading on, 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 you know, the social media, they're a little bit concerned, um, even though they haven't started too bad, I'd say. Um, and bowler counts it was a really poor performance yesterday. Um, one of the people that I follow that found the commentary for them, he said it, he's, he wasn't quite sure how they actually managed to come away with something from it, given that they played so poor. Um, so he didn't know what to make of it, but um, yeah, they, they, they got a good manager there. Um, and they just need to start uh getting a little bit more consistency and getting those wins points. Oldchigam, they got a good win over Dark Darkin, Dark and they were a
0: very up and down this season, either, they either seem to win 5-1 or they get absolutely pumped themselves, don't they?
1: Yeah, and they, but they bounce back so well. And Mark White won't mind me quoting his post-match interview yesterday. You've got to watch his post-match interviews. They're so entertaining. The other aspect of it was, you look at the chances, both sides had a similar amount, um, but um, the old Tringham goalkeeper, had, uh, he got the man of the match. Um, similar amount of chances. Had he not been on such form, it might have been a four-all draw and, Another bonkers scoreline. But, uh, yeah, Mark said he'll take, he'll take the, uh, the rap with that one. He'll learn quickly. Um, and, uh, and they'll come again. I know they're really looking forward to their FA Cup uh, tie at home to Eastleigh uh, next week because Dawkins have never made the first round proper and they're hell-bent on doing that.
0: Dickie, as well, a player you know quite well, Marcus Dananga. He's been getting in the goals recently. Uh, he struggled last year, didn't he? had a couple of loan spells away at Kidderminster and Dartford. He's had a bit of criticism on the on the forums as well, but he, he's getting in amongst the goals now, and, and I'm sure it'll help his confidence.
2: Yeah, he must do. He scored quite late on yesterday. He added the fourth in that in that four while win. But he, I think he scored a Gateshead as well um, in their game there. So yeah, he's starting to find the target a bit more regularly. It is going to help him. I've we spoken about it a number of times, and I he's not dissimilar to an awful lot of players and I think they, they need to enjoy the manager's confidence to give their best and I think you know just being started regularly and finding the net will just sort of I'm not going to sell like up a snowball rolling downhill because I wouldn't you know put that much pressure on him to deliver you know that much Um but yeah it's got to help.
0: Well, he ha- he hadn't scored up until last week. Uh, in again in the defeat to Notts County, then he scored in his last two games. Now, and and also that's three wins in four now for Alteringham. Um...
2: Yeah, it's not long ago we were talking about Alteringham and being a little bit worried about them, weren't they? Because it, you know, they I don't think they were one of the last teams in the division 2 to get a win. Um, but then, yeah, as soon as they've got one, more have followed, and um, yeah, it'd be helping. Um, the confidence of everybody in that group. You know, we, we've spoken about this, you know, this is their first season as a full-time team and that adjustment being quite difficult to make. Um, Phil Parkinson didn't seem especially perturbed and and the Alteringham board didn't seem especially perturbed. They put out quite a strange um, um, tweet one evening, which had that look of one of those official ones where, you know, it's going to be a vote of confidence in the manager. Um, and they literally just said, come along and support the team because we're right behind Phil. Um And yeah, and ultimately, you know, the last few results have, have shown that they, they've they placed their faith in their man and, and he's delivered.
0: So we're going to look at the National League South and and still at the top uh Ed Sleep. They're only two points cleared, or they're already on 31 points after just 11 games. They took on nearly promoted Taunton and, and battered them, to be honest, and won by five goals to nil a couple of goals for Toby Edson. Rakesh Bingham, Dominic Polian and Greg Cundall on the score sheet. Uh, a crushing win there for Ebsley. And Rob, I wonder if Tony Edser scored a free kick. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was a running joke with Aldershot, wasn't it, in a way that he, he always took free kicks and never scored.
1: <laughs> yeah, the funny thing I, I remember about Toby Edser when I first watched him in three or four pre-season games... I thought, wow, we've got another midfielder here like Josh Reese, that's going to burst forward and got goals in him. And I think those goals gradually got knocked out of him during his time at Aldershaw. Um, probably had to spend too much time uh, out of possession and too much time deep. But he's got that and he's obviously got licence in a, in a side and he's got a lot of confidence. But yeah, it looks ominous at the moment, doesn't it, Joe? Um, a couple for Edson. But in Dominic Polian and Rakish Bingham as well, they are really quite prolific and, and, and dangerous forwards, aren't
3: they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when they're on form, there's not many teams in the division that can sort of keep pace with them. Um, obviously, Taunton knew that coming into this league that they would have those off days where they, they do get a bit of a hiding and the, the fact it's come against Ebb's fleet will not be too much of a surprise. Um, but yeah, obviously, those two, Obviously, the other team will come on to speak about, but the other two teams, just they do not lose at the moment. Um, just keep managing to grind out wins.
0: Yeah, having at Waterlooville, they won 2-0 at home against Concord. Jason Pryor and Mo Fowle on the score sheet. And also Chelmsford, they won 2-0 against Chesson. It took them a while, though, in the end. It, it was um three minutes from the end before they opened the scoring. Chelmsford. Two goals in two minutes meant that they got the job done in the end.
3: Yeah, um, you know, I'm really, really pleased for Robbie Simpson um, because he hasn't had a great deal to work with. um, But he's looked to try and bring the youngsters in, give them a chance um, and play a good brand of football. Um, And it looks like he's starting to really, really get the results there that, you know, he deserves. Um, Obviously, two goals yesterday um, for them. Um, But yeah, they're, they're ticking along really, really nicely. I mean, also, Joe, it must be quite hard for him, you know, with
0: the things that are going on at Chelmsford with the atmosphere. There as well. It must be quite difficult.
3: Yeah, um, and especially, especially when you've got a young team that haven't been through you know things like that before. Um, obviously, if you've got a team full of experienced professionals, um, it is perhaps a little bit easier to keep that you know those heads up and the focus on the games. Um, whereas when they've got a young squad, it might be that little bit more difficult. But he's doing a really, really good job there, uh, Robbie Simpson. You know, we saw signs last year that he was perhaps you know putting his stamp on things and he's uh, he's really done well so far and I'll get to uh, see Chelmsford at first
1: hand next week chaps because they've uh, drawn all the shot at home in the FA Cup I'm I'm not excited about that draw I've been to Chelmsford a few times it's not a great ground to watch football it's an athletics track but in terms of the team uh, talking to Mark Mosley about them yesterday they are a National League side, if you know what I mean. They've got big players, strong players. And you've got to admire the way Robbie Simpson's had them focused on their football side of things rather than what else is going on at that club. So I think it's a really, really dangerous tie for Aldershot next week. They've got a a poor habit of going out to lower-level opposition in the first round of the FA Cup. And I actually think Chelmsford will start their game as favourites next week.
0: Well, apart from that, Rob, how much are you looking forward to it?
1: (laughs) I'm looking forward to it for two reasons. It's the FA Cup and I'll get to catch up with my old mate, Dave Winfield, who's uh, back in the uh, Chelmsford side now uh, and hopefully uh, fit to take part in the game. But uh, yeah, they're the only positives I can grasp at the moment.
0: Level on points for Chelmsford at Dartford. They won 2 1 away at Dulwich Hamlet. They did fall behind to Nana Awusa. but then Samir Carruthers on the stroke of half time with a penalty got them level. And then Charlie Sheringham, six minutes from time, keeps Alan Dawson's side in the mix. And again, dangerous proposition, aren't they, Joe Dartford?
3: Yeah, I mean, we said last. Last week, they're starting to, you know, get a bit of momentum now. Um, obviously, Alan Dowson's starting to put his stamp on things. And, uh, you know, they've got some good players in their side. I mean, Samaker others and Charlie Sheringham yesterday, both on the school sheet. And they're good players at National League South level. Um, and obviously, Dowson's been there before. You know, he's done it. He's got a team out of the division. Um, and he knows how to win games um, in this league. Um, and he's now got, you know, he's got a personnel to do it. Um, and after a little bit of a shaky start he's uh, getting the results now
0: Worthing staying in the playoff places that's despite a defeat against Farnborough, uh, the brilliantly named Javon Splat looked like he'd made a complete mess again for Farnborough but they managed to draw <laughs> themselves level Salim Saeed with the equaliser and then Jonathan Page with a late late winner for Farnborough in the 92nd minute and uh, it's been a tough start Rob hasn't it for Farnborough but a much needed win there
1: yeah, it has been a tough start. Um, the, the three points yesterday means that they're a couple of points outside the relegation places now with uh, with five teams below them. Um, they have found it tough, that's for sure. Um, but I just, you know, we, we talk about it so often, you know, all three of these leagues that we cover are so competitive. And if you don't get it quite right on the day, then the team that's in the bottom place can beat the team in top. And that's one of the reasons I think we love it. Um, You know, you've got, if you look at the Premier League, you do get the odd shot, don't you? But normally you've got a big three or four that very rarely lose. You've got another set of teams that are competing to desperately get maybe one of those final European spots. um, And the rest are all trying to avoid relegation. It's not like that in any of the three national leagues. Um, Yeah, pleased for Farnborough. Um, I don't think that they're probably going to push for the playoffs, as I think I thought they might have an outside chance. Um, I think both Joe, to be fair, and and Tom Lang, who, who uh, occasional, occasionally contributes still to the podcast, thought they might struggle. Um, but, um, yeah, a good result for them on Saturday.
3: Hopefully that'll be a bit of a, a page turner for, for Farnborough, um, because obviously they've struggled so far, so...
0: Absolutely. Uh, In the final two player places (laughs) are Welling and Bath. But Penny's just dropped with Rob there. (laughs) Welling Welling and Bath. Bath lost at home, surprisingly, to Hungerford uh, by three goals to two. And Hungerford manager Danny Robinson said his side fully deserved it. Cardio Fuso's goal in the 93rd minute got them all three points. He also said that his side are a very good side when they get going. They just probably haven't shown it enough, have they, Joe? But for Jerry Gill, a bit of a blow there.
3: Yeah, um, obviously, firstly on Hungerford, obviously they knew it was going to be a difficult season. Um, and Danny Robertson just slowly trying to get these players um, to get sort of a similar output to what he did with his other team uh, last season, um, because he's had, had to bring in a couple of um, polished gems uh, from, or unpolished gems, sorry, from lower in the pyramid. And it is taking a little bit of time to, to get there, to get their form. Um, as for Bath, you know, they've had, they have shown glimpses, Um, so far, and they are still in and around the playoffs, um, but they just concede too many goals. Um, You know, they've got the firepower um, in the league. Um, You know, they've got Fletcher and and Wilson, obviously, who was on the score sheet yesterday, but they can't keep relying on that every week. You know, they've got to start keeping a couple of clean sheets um, because if they want to really challenge, um, which they can do with their squad, um, then they need to start uh, being a little bit harder to break down.
0: Yeah, well injured one one at Hampton and Richmond Borough. It was a tailor two penalties. Taylor Maloney opened the scoring on twenty third on the in the twenty third minute. And then Tommy Block with a penalty on forty eight minutes. Got the equalizer there for Hampton.
2: Yeah, I watched the highlights from uh, the the Hampton-Welling game. One of the benefits now, of course, of the embargo being lifted is we do get a chance to see some of these games and to be able to comment on them. Um, There was a dismissal of the Welling manager, Warren Feeney, later on in the game there, just trying to stop Tommy Block from taking a throw in. Um, And then when Block did attempt to take the throw in, Feeney stepped in front of him again. Referee came over and showed him a red card. So, um, you know, just trying to slow the game down at the end to hold on to their point I suspect but now they're going to have to do without him in the dugout I would imagine
0: Block was blocked, then was
2: he? He was indeed yes yeah
0: Uh, Joe what
3: else stood out for you in the results in the National League South? Um Weymouth, um, you know, it's a, another podcast, another defeat for Weymouth. Um, you know, they're really having a difficult time of it uh, this season. Um, you know, we've seen what Danny Blur's team can do. They spawn a really, really good side. Um, and even after Weymouth took the lead yesterday, they still managed to find a way to lose it. Um, so, uh, yeah, another tough week for them. And um, the other one is uh, Dover. You know, I backed them at the start to get in the playoffs. Um and uh, they have had a tricky start, obviously not firing on all cylinders yet, but a good win for them. Um, and hopefully now they can start building.
0: At the top of the division, it is Kingsland Town. They won 2-0 against Charlie. Jordan Ponticelli on the stroke of half-time. And Adam Crowther with his first goal for Kingsland, secured all three points. And barring that blip the other week, Dickie, they're going well, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they are. You know, we, we've said before about them being one of the the... The Full time teams in this division, um, up against a Chorley side who never give gifts away easily, you know, they're, they're a hard side to break down. But it's probably a measure of the, the form that Kings are in that, that that was very much an expected result yesterday, um, for them. Um, a very solid 2 0 win, and on they go.
0: In second position, Darlington they bounced back after their FA Cup defeat all last week, they got. A solid 1-0 win away at Chester, thanks to Kane, Felix, Uh, Banbury, they remain in third. They drew 1-1 away at
2: Blythe. Yeah, um, uh, Darlington's uh, progress uh, is, you know, particularly notable. I think I did put them down um, potentially in our predictions at the start of the season as being a, a potential playoff side. I don't think I saw them being second at this stage of the season, um, but yeah, they're going very well, you know, and um, I know Mark Beck's been the man who's been getting a lot of attention for them. He's been scoring plenty of goals, but they have goals elsewhere in the te- uh, team as well. Kane Felix, I think had actually joined Peterborough sports um, at, where I was yesterday um, before the season started, but then made the switch to, to Darlington. I think that might have been related to travel issues quite possibly. Um, and yeah, he's popped up with a goal for them yesterday and uh, Alan Armstrong's side going very nicely. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Level one points with Bambria filed. They do one, one away at Brackley in Roger Johnson's first game as manager Scarborough point behind them. They had a fantastic five, 0 win at home to Kettering
2: yeah uh, brackley against foul you have um i wouldn't say a managerless team because foul do have andy taylor in temporary charge but uh, but then brackley town um yeah, their first game under Roger Johnson. I think I looked at that one very late on in the game and it looked as if uh, Brackley might have got a late winner in that one, but it was obviously chalked off by flash scores. So whether somebody at the game was just a little bit trigger happy with uh, with pressing that button to say there'd been a Brackley goal. Yeah, Ricardo Calder on target for Brackley. Uh, Connor Barrett on target for Filed, Both within a minute of one another and both fullbacks as well. So um, interesting that little bit on the scoreline. Scarborough, terrific result for them, 5-0 against Kettering um, we spoke about the Glovers of Yeovil earlier one Glover who didn't do so well yesterday was Lee Glover the manager of Kettering they got absolutely thumped by the Sea Dogs, five goals to nil it was three nil at half-time goals from Maloney, Maleggi and Burton and then Coulson and Jackson scoring in the second half a five nil win and five different scorers that'll please Mr Edwards
0: yeah, and Kettering didn't like being by the seaside, clearly, on, on Saturday. <laughs> it was a no, really surprising result. Well, Agbro wasn't a dicky. Kidderminster went down 2-0 at home to Farsley.
2: Yeah, this was a surprise, and and this one didn't um, please some of the Kidderminster faithful, clearly. Um, Kidderminster just finding it that little bit difficult to to kick on after their, their terrific season they had last season. Obviously, they did miss out on the playoffs, but that FA Cup run that we spoke about... Um, I suppose what that did is it brought, you know, players of theirs to to the attention of others. And they did lose some players over the summer. I think Russ Penn tried to recruit almost kind of like-for-like replacements, but it's not quite worked so far. You know, I think the players that they've brought in are are fine players at the level, but they they haven't really clicked the way that particularly the front three he had last season of Amari Sterling, um, Ash Hemmings and and, um, Amari Morgan-Smith up front. Um, and yeah, Farsley, a, a really good 2 0 win. Tom Allen with the first goal after seven minutes. And then um, uh, Jimmy Spencer with a second after 77. I've seen that, the, the, the deciding goal there for the, the second goal, and basically Kidderminster um, just trying to play. On the halfway line, clearly trying to, you know, set up and get something back. A short pass. Spencer picks it off and then basically just charges the, half the length of the field and, and finishes for the second goal. So, yeah, real killer that one for Russ Penn's team. And um, not an entirely happy camper, Kinaminster at the moment.
0: It was seventh against eighth on Saturday. Uh, it was Alverton against Lemington. It was 2-1 to Alverton in the scoreline, but 2-1 to Lemington in terms of red cards.
2: Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, It sounds like it, this one was a bit of a battle yesterday. Ben ship Shipway put Leamington into the lead, but uh, it was uh, by the 70th minute, Alfredon had turned that round. Goals from Dwayne Wiley and Bailey Hobson. But yeah, that's when the fun started. Jack Edwards, the Leamington skipper, sent off on 72 minutes. Matt Reed from Alfreton. he was then sent off with about 10 minutes to go. And Jack Lane, the Leamington centre-half, he was dismissed in injury time. Um, so, yeah, Paul Holleran doesn't have a huge squad anyway, and he's going to have to um, uh, find a way without... Um, two players who were going to be suspended for future games. I don't actually know if Paul Holleran was on the bench himself yesterday because he was dismissed in Leamington's game with Telford last weekend. So I don't know if he was actually able on the bench to be able to take charge of that one. But um, yeah, just struck by um, a few suspension problems there, Leamington. Uh, and, but they're good start to the season. I'm not saying it's falling away on the basis of one result. You know, they're, they're still up towards the playoff places. But yeah, bit of a blow that for them.
0: In in ninth of Peterborough Sports, they they took on Telford, didn't they? And uh, they eventually got the job done.
2: Yeah, they did. Um, I was at this game, Peterborough Sports cruised into a 2-0 lead by half an hour. um, Two copycat goals for um, Michael Gash um, and then Manish Sani in the 28th minute. Telford just unable to stop Ryan Fox down the left-hand side for Peterborough Sports. Two great deliveries from him, two headers. Fantastic, Um,
0: Mr Fox, yeah.
2: He did have a very very good game yesterday. I mean, I looked at the Peterborough Sports lineup. You know, they've got three players in this side who were title winners with Kings Lynn in this division not that long ago. Although, yes, we know that they went up because of the PPG and the league finishing. But yeah, and Ryan Fryett, Michael Gash, and Fox. You know, they've got three players who've been at the very top of this division uh, before. Um, Telford did get a goal back for half time. Brendan Daniels had a penalty saved by Peter Crook, a player you know very well, but uh, Daniels lashed in the rebound. Telford then couldn't kick on and, and get anything out of this game the way they did against Leamington last week. They'd fallen 2 0 behind there and then got back into the game through a Daniels penalty. But uh, yeah, Richard Jones added the third for Peterborough in the 66th minute. Montel Gibson got his first goal for Telford in the last 10 minutes to. I was going to say make it interesting, but in truth, it didn't. Peterborough held on to their lead fairly comfortably from there. Um, and yeah, another poor result for Telford there. One point and one place off the bottom at the moment.
0: Yeah, and especially with uh, Bradford Park Avenue you grabbing there. First win of the season over Curzon, Ashton. Uh, interestingly as well, at one point off the playoffs, but down in 11th uh, is Gloucester City. They came from 2-0 down to beat Southport. And Steve King said... We've not even got going yet. We're only one point off the playoffs. So quite ominous uh, comments there from Steve King.
2: Yeah, well, he's talking confidently, isn't he? You know, and, and you know, I know the gaps aren't in the division aren't that big at the moment because of the stage that we're at. So, yeah, but for them to be, you know, just above halfway, but that close to the playoffs in terms of points will will. Um, you know, enthuse a manager like Steve King. He's a winner. Um, they did, had to do it the hard way yesterday. They had to come from two 0 down. Southport roared into an early lead. Goals from. Uh, Jordan Archer and Marcus Carver, who's back at the club on loan from Scunthorpe, because they sold him to Scunthorpe uh, around about a year or so ago. Um, Matt McClure got one back before half time, but then two Kieran Phillips goals in the 69th and the 88th minute turned the job uh, got the job done for Steve King's team in the end. They turned it round.
0: Any other results catch your eye, Dickie?
2: Um, Just having a quick look through here. I think Hereford's 4-0 or 4-2, sorry, 4-2 win at Boston was a standout for me. Um, Again, another absolutely roaring start here from Josh Gowling's side. They were 4-0 up after 23 minutes. Goals from Aaron Amadi Holloway, Orin Pendley. Um, There was one there for Jack Evans and then Tyrone Barnett. So, you know, some firepower in that at that Hereford side. Scott Pollock, he's been um, a standout player for Boston in recent weeks. Um, their improvement under Ian Culverhouse has stalled a little bit, though. He got a penalty in the 28th minute and then got another one in the seventy-six. But, yeah, you go 4-0 down that quickly into a game. Um, you're not likely to turn it round and probably just a little bit of a reminder of the bad old days at the start of the season there for uh, Boston when they were conceding goals at home for fun under Paul Cox. Um, clearly, Ian Culverhouse has had an effect but, it, you know, it's. Uh, it, I suppose what it shows is, you know, as much as the recent upturn results is good, that there's still a lot of work there at Boston to to do to make them into a more consistent side.
0: And the other result was a 1-0 win for Buxton away at Spennymoor. Uh, that is it. Thank you very much to Joe, Dicky Rob, and also once again to Chris Hargreaves for joining us. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at NLFullTime. It's the same on Instagram. And leave us a, a like as well as a review. We're across all good podcasting platforms. Until then, have a great week and we'll see you all very soon.